good morning. It's good to see you. Thank you so much for uh, being here today. I want to join with Josh and with our church family in wishing you a happy Father's Day if you're a dad or a grandfather. Uh, our church family is so grateful for the way that you provide for your family. You love them and you lead them. Uh, we thank the Lord for how you protect them. You serve them and you sacrifice for them. You comfort them and you encourage them. And so we want to say thank you. Um, you know, the Bible says that, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. You know, dads, the Lord really, he already has honored us, has he not? Whenever he entrusted us with such a precious gift, such a precious treasure as he did when he entrusted us with our children. What an honor for us to be able to raise them for him. I remember my father and how he loved me. There was never one day in my life I ever doubted that my dad loved me. He worked hard so that um, my brother and my mom, my, bro uh, my brother and my mom and I could uh, enjoy um, being fed and have a house and roof over our heads. So grateful for him. Uh, you know, the Lord entrusts those tender hearts. Uh, he expects us to partner with him. The Lord's gonna do it, but he wants us as fathers to partner with him in preparing our children for life. You know, the only perfect dad I've ever met is the Heavenly Father. So I want you to know that there's not a perfect one out there. What I also want you to know is that he's already seen the masterpiece that he's building both in your life as a dad, but also in your children's lives. He's already seen, just like it says over here on this uh, beautiful art that's to my uh, left. You know, the Lord's writing a poem. He's building a masterpiece. He's painting something and he's going to use you as part of the, the colors that he will add to your children's lives. But he's already seen the end. You know, he knew how imperfect that we would be before he ever blessed us with our kids. He knew we were going to need him. He knew we were going to need his grace in order to do it. I love the song by Casting Crowns. There's a song that they sing called Already There. And it says, when I'm lost in the mystery, dad, you ever feel, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do next. The song says, when I'm lost in the mystery to you, my future is a memory. Isn't that amazing? God's already seen the finished product. So he's saying in the song to you, Lord, my future is a memory because you're already there. You're already there, standing at the end of my life, waiting on the other side, and you're already there. You're already there. Today, I want you to look with me at a dad who wasn't a perfect dad, but he was a growing dad. You're gonna see in 1 Kings chapter one and 1 Kings chapter two, as this man's gonna actually grow right before our eyes. We're gonna see it as it is recorded in God's word. You know, he never seemed to stop wanting to improve. If I could say one thing to you dads, as we're called to prepare our kids for life, I'd just say, don't stop growing. Don't stop improving. Don't plateau in your parenting. Say, God, help me. You see, earlier in his life, David was an indifferent father. He was an indulgent father. And what happened was his son Adonijah grew up with an indifferent, indulgent father. And so his son grew up to be a rebel. 
He wasn't the only one. He had two others that grew up to be rebels. But later in his life, we're going to see in the passages we're about to read, that he began to realize, wait a minute, I'm called to give instruction, instruction to my sons. And so he began to engage even late in his life. He said, it's never too late. So I'm going to engage with my sons. And he gave some inspiring words to Solomon, and I pray they'll be inspiring to you. We're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, and we're going to see the negligence that was first in his fatherhood earlier. But then when we look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we're going to see the diligence that later characterized his fatherhood. You see, this book, we're about to look at just a few verses here, and then next week, Lord willing, we'll be back in Ephesians. But this book of 1 Kings is actually, it was joined together with 2 Kings. There was 1 Kings and 2 Kings. If you were to read the Bible in Hebrew, they're together. It covers 410 years. We don't really know who the human author was, but we certainly know who the divine author was. The Holy Spirit inspired these words, whether it was Jeremiah or someone else that wrote it. But 1 Kings begins in 971 BC with a tired dad. You ever get tired, dad? Does it ever wear on you all the different things? You know, they say that at this point in his life, David's about to die. It wasn't the years. Most Bible scholars say he's probably only 75 years of age. The older I get, I'm thinking, man, that's young. Man, he got a long way to go. Wasn't the years is the mileage. I'm talking to some dads that maybe you've traveled some rough roads yourself. Maybe you've gone across some very broken areas. Perhaps as a son or as a daughter, you're thinking, yeah, you know, I've seen my dad and he's not like what you've been describing on a, in terms of a good role model. But I want, to, I want you to look at the Heavenly Father. I want you to look at what he has for us in his word and to say, Lord, how can I improve? How can I grow? Lord, if you give me the chance to be a father, how will I father my children? In our text, we will not hear David speak another word to his son Adonijah. Time had run out for that son. But we will see a little bit later in chapter 2 when he leans in to his son Solomon and he says, Solomon, there's some things that are very important on my heart I want to say to you. Solomon was right there when his father passed away, supporting him. But unfortunately, Adonijah was not supporting his father. He was supplanting his father. David was king. And so the issue was, who will be the next king? And so that's always an issue, isn't it? Remember when we were in Ephesians? Remember talking about who's the king? Who sits on the throne? Who makes the commands and the decisions in your life, in my life? What we saw in Ephesians was the Lord wants to be the king. He's rightful. He is worthy. He deserves that place of honor in your life and in my life. But there's always a, a battle for the throne, isn't there? But whenever we listen in a minute to chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, I want you to remember that there were four men in the Bible that we know what they said at the very end. What will you say? What will you say to your family when you only just have a few, a few breaths left, when you have maybe one day, two days, two weeks left? What will you say? 
I want you to listen closely to what David says. His words are recorded. Jacob spoke to his sons in Genesis 49. Moses spoke to his, ment uh, to his uh, mentee, uh, to the man he was discipling, to Joshua. And then Joshua in Joshua 23, 24, spoke to those that were around him. What will you say at the end of your life? Will we finish strong or will we finish weak? I think it's amazing that what I'm going to show you with 1 Kings 1 and 1 Kings 2 is that you're going to see a man, rather than finishing poorly at the end, he finished well. I'm not so interested in what your past has been. I'm not so interested even right now how you're living. But I am deeply interested in what are you going to do from this day forward? How are you going to live? This is where I think God has a word for us because he has called us as fathers to prepare our children for life. Would you stand in honor of God's word? I'm just gonna read a few verses. I'm breaking in, I understand that. First Kings chapter one, verses five through 10. Then we're gonna skip down to chapter two, verses one through four in the interest of time. We're gonna notice two sons, Adonijah and Solomon. How did David father each one of these sons? How did he parent them? Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I'll be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. His father had never at any time displeased him by asking, why have you done thus and so? He was also a very handsome man. And he was born next after Absalom. He conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar, the priest. And they followed Adonijah and helped him. But Zadok, the priest, and Benai, the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei, and Ray, and David's mighty men were not with Adonijah. Adonijah sacrificed sheep, oxen, fattened cattle by the serpent stone which is beside Enrogel. And he invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the royal officials of Judah. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, or Benai, or the mighty men, or Solomon his brother. If you would drop down to chapter 2, just the first four verses. Chapter 2 of 1 Kings, verses 1 through 4. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Let's pray one more time. Oh God, thank you so much that you call us in grace. Lord, I don't wanna make every dad in here feel bad or guilty or embarrassed. That's not my purpose at all. I just want us to look at the standard. I want us to rise up to the standard 
of dads that are not being negligent, but dads that are saying, I want to be diligent. In the time that I have remaining, I want to be diligent to the high calling of raising my kids, of discipling my kids, of leading my kids. And so please, oh Lord, I pray that you would speak to every heart. Help us, oh Lord, to hear you loud and clear. Help us to know what you're saying to each one of us in this room. To some, there may be conviction, and that's okay, because we may need conviction, we may need correction, but to others, we may need encouragement, we may need affirmation. So whatever each man needs, speak to us. Let us hear your voice. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. David made a choice to let his responsibilities to instruct, to correct, to encourage, to discipline, to spend time with Adonijah, his son, fly on autopilot. He just thought, it's okay. I got a lot of other important things going on in my life. I don't have time to fool around with the kids. But as you probably noticed, his whole approach is going to change whenever he's going to speak to Solomon and speak to him from his heart as a man speaks to another man. He wants the plane to land better than where it had landed with Adonijah. So what can the young men in this room right now, what can the middle-aged men in this room right now, what can the older men, the senior adult men in this room right now, what can we learn from these two sons and from David's example? I do wanna say one last word by introduction. Sometimes it does make a difference the circumstances that are going on around a man. I want you to keep in mind that Solomon was raised in the comfort of the palace, whereas Adonijah was raised on the run when David was trying to get away from Saul. And so they were going from cave to cave, from wilderness to wilderness. But along the way, he was neglecting his son, Adonijah. And so I want you to see what did it produce in his life? What's the fruitfulness of negligent parenting by a father? It's going to be hard to look at. Perhaps it's your story, maybe my story, but I want you to listen to what we can learn from Adonijah first, and then we'll see from Solomon. Inadvertently, David's negligence trained, if you will, if you want to use that word, his negligence trained Adonijah to exalt self, to exalt self. Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself saying, I, I will, I will be example. I do want to say one last word by introduction. Sometimes it does make a difference the circumstances that are going on around a man. I want you to keep in mind that Solomon was raised in the comfort of the palace, whereas Adonijah was raised on the run when David was trying to get away from Saul. And so they were going from cave to cave, from wilderness to wilderness. But along the way, he was neglecting his son, Adonijah. And so I want you to see what did it produce in his life? What's the fruitfulness of negligent parenting by a father? It's going to be hard to look at. Perhaps it's your story, maybe my story. But I want you to listen to what we can learn from Adonijah first, and then we'll see from Solomon. Inadvertently, David's negligence trained, if you will, if you want to use that word, his negligence trained Adonijah 
to exalt self, to exalt self. Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, he exalted himself saying, I, I will, I will be king. He didn't have a dad in his life to say, son, it's not about what you want in life. It's about God's will. Remember when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane? He was saying, not my will, but your will be done. He, his dad was not in touch with where he was. You see, God had already chosen Solomon. If you were to read 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 9 and 10, 1 Chronicles 22, 9 and 10, God already said to David, the one that I want to follow you as king is your son Solomon. He did not say your son Adonijah. Now keep in mind when it says now, now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying I'll be king. Keep in mind that already he had watched his older brothers, Amnon. He first had raped his half-sister. So Amnon was killed by his brother Absalom. Then this guy, Adonijah, had seen his brother Absalom not only kill uh, Amnon, but now he watches Absalom die in a rebellion against his father, the king. And so we don't even know what happened to the thirdborn. His name was Kiliab or Daniel, but somehow Daniel must have passed away as well. So Adonijah had a sense of entitlement. I know if they're looking for a king, they're going to pick me. So I might as well put myself out there and say, it's all about me. Well, it's too bad that he wasn't listening to the, to the warnings that are all across scripture saying the one that exalts himself is going to be humbled. Whoever it says, Jesus said it twice, Luke 14, 11, Luke 18, 14. He says this, listen to it closely. Listen to the pronoun. Everyone, everyone, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, there's something that James tells us in James 4, 6. Peter picks up the same idea in 1 Peter 5, 5. And what it says is God's opposed to the proud. He's opposed to the proud. I remember a guy in Canada said the quickest way to get in a fight with God is just be prideful because God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You see, Daniel learned it a long time ago. There was a, a man named Nebuchadnezzar who, I don't know, he went out of his mind. He lived like a beast. It says that he was out there for a long time. He just went crazy. And in Daniel 5 verse 21, it, it says what that king learned. That king learned a very important lesson that the most high God rules over the kingdoms of man and he sets over those kingdoms whomever he wills. That's exactly what it says. And so here's this guy, Adonijah. He doesn't care that God's will is for Solomon to be king. Adonijah says, you know what? I'll be king. I want to put myself out there. So he wants to exalt himself. It's a dangerous way to live. Why didn't someone tell him, don't do that, Adonijah? Well, the most likely person would have been his father. But as we can see in a few moments, his dad never corrected him. His dad never said anything about that. David was also a man of character. But that's what's missing in Adonijah's life. Adonijah was not a man of character. 
You know what his, his emphasis was on? The externals. Hey, he wanted to look nice. He wanted to look, his appearance, it says, was handsome. And whenever he gets ready to make a big show about being king, he's a excellent at marketing. He's so skilled. He's a showman. Too bad he doesn't know that in life, those that are shallow in virtue, those that are shallow in values, those that are starved in humility, those that are starved in terms of having personal honor. Why, where did he get this whole idea of, if you wanna be king, all you gotta do is just surround yourself with chariots and horsemen, have 50 men run in front of you saying, yeah, yeah, Adonijah is gonna be the next king. Too bad that he didn't know because you see, there's something more than externals. There's something more than appearance that we should be saying to our kids, to our daughters, to our sons, to our grandchildren. We're to be saying to them, it's not about the image. It's not about the surface things. You see, really somebody should have stopped that chariot. Someone should have said, what is it that you've done? Because we don't hear anything of Adonijah from the time he's born until this very moment. I think that's interesting. It's striking to me. We don't know about his actions. We don't know about his attitudes. We don't know about his attributes. We don't know about his authenticity. We don't know about his accomplishments. There's nothing. All we know is he wants to be king. He's going to exalt himself. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm going to have a big entourage run out in front of me. He got it from the playbook of his older brother, Absalom, who was also a rebel. In 2 Samuel 15, verse 1, he did the same exact thing. And now here's Adonijah. He's going to try the same deal. I find it so sad that David didn't speak. He wasn't there. Maybe David had other more pressing things to do. According to the National Fatherhood Initiative, today, 2023, 18.4 million children, which would come out to be, get this, one in every four, one in every four kids in the United States, they do not have a biological dad, they do not have a stepdad, they do not have an adoptive dad in the home. Mom's trying to do it the best she can all by herself. I'm just thinking, where are the dads? David's disengaged parenting style also spoiled Adonijah. That's the next thing I wanted you to see. Now he's a grown man and his angry, rebellious life exhibits zero respect for authority. It's obvious to me without even reading it where it says David never, never corrected him. David never said, why are you doing that? No, never, not once. Was he that good? No, I think it's just that David was that negligent. And I think he's not the only one. Nobody ever told him no. Indulgent parenting is when you allow the children to do whatever they want. They have no, you have no rules for them. There's no accountability to them. Go ahead and just do whatever you want. You know, while Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 verses five through 11 says that our heavenly father, he disciplines his kids. He disciplines his kids. That's the heavenly father. So what happens if an earthly father chooses hands off, not going to discipline, not going to correct, not going to hold him accountable, nothing? Well, 
if we do that, then if you read on in 1 Kings chapter 1, you know what God has to do? God has to bring along a Benai. You may say, Benai, what's that? It's a man's name. He's right here in the text that I read, Benai. You may not realize who Benai was. Benai was a, he was a warrior. He was a warrior. If we do not discipline our own kids, then we leave God, we leave society, we leave the rest of the world no other choice than to send a warrior to stop the rebel in their path. And so that's exactly what happens is if you read in chapter two, verse 25, Benai eventually has to strike down Adonijah because he won't quit. He will not quit being a rebel. So if David didn't make time to talk with Adonijah, if he didn't make time to talk with Adonijah, then indirectly, by default, you know what he trained him to do? He trained him to be an expert in secrets. He trained him to be an expert because all you got to do is talk to your kids. Just talk to them. Just listen to them. Have a conversation with them. But when we don't, you know what happens? They find somebody else that will. There's somebody else out there in this big old world that will. Our kids will confer. Look at verse seven closely. What does it say in verse seven? It says that Adonijah conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar, the priest, and they followed Adonijah and helped him. So our kids will confer with someone and someone will cooperate. Some will say, I'll help you, whatever you need. Someone will do it and they're gonna leave out those that'll stand up like Nathan the prophet. You know, Nathan the prophet, whenever he gets ready to have a little coronation feast, Adonijah thinks, I know what I'll do. I'll just hold, throw a big old feast and we're gonna uh, offer some food and make everybody happy. And at that feast, I'm gonna announce, yeah, I'm gonna be the next king. And so that was his plan. And so these two men that were loyal to David before, that they're not loyal to him now, they're like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Too bad a little bit later, if you keep reading, pretty soon there's another announcement. And the announcement was, David declares Solomon is the next king. And everybody at that feast gets up and runs away. It's like, oh no, we've put our, uh, we've got on the boat with the wrong ones. I hope you don't wait till the Lord comes and you'll realize I put, I got in the wrong person's boat. Don't do it. You stay with Jesus. You follow him. He's worth it. Well, David wasn't the only dad that dropped the ball. If you wanted to look at Eli, if you wanted to look at Samuel, they also disregarded. They were disengaged. They didn't really have the time to parent while their kids were there. They also faced disastrous results. But David, something happens that I don't want you to miss. And that is he grew. David realized I made some mistakes with Adonijah. And so you know what he does? He draws real close to Solomon. Solomon will listen. And so he says, bring in Solomon. I need to talk to him. So in chapter two, by, you, by the time you get down to verse 10 of chapter two, it says, then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. He only has nine verses left in his life. I wonder how many 
days we have left in our lives? How many years? How many months? Well, one never knows. But David learns from his mistakes and he makes a bold move toward instructional parenting. He looks over at Adonijah and he thinks, I just didn't give him, I never told him no. I was always indulgent, I was always indifferent. But now he says, I'm gonna do something different with Solomon. So in the twilight of his life, he instructs or coaches Solomon in four significant areas of life. Now you're talking, David. You're called to prepare Solomon for life. So what are you gonna do? Here's what he did. Dad, what are you gonna do? Here's what I encourage you to do. Number one, I think that David taught Solomon to be steady in his personal example until his very last breath. Be steady until his very last breath. Here's David about to die. Don't you know there are people probably saying, you know, knocking on his door, hey, I know Solomon's been in there, but look, we've got matters of state. We've got a lot of administrative things we need to talk through. And David's saying, I need to talk to my son. And so his son took priority. And so here he is to the very last. And what he's modeling for his son is, I'm just going to be faithful until my very last breath. And that's what David did. I ran across an interesting quote by Charles Kettering. Charles Kettering, you may not know the name, but he's the one who invented the electrical system, the ignition system in our cars. But here's what Charles Kettering said. Every father should remember one day his son will follow his example, not his advice. One day his son will follow his example, not his advice. You see, your kids may forget what you tell them, but they won't forget how you lived and who you were. You see, another man said, my father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. Have you ever noticed the Apostle Paul's approach to mentoring, discipling, to developing leaders? What was it? Well, let me give you some verses where he says to them, I want you to follow my example. I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Well, let me give you these. There's quite a few. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Philippians 3.17. 1 Thessalonians 1.6. 2 Thessalonians 3.9. 1 Timothy 4, 12. 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 and 11. Titus chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Even, that's Paul, but even from Jesus in John 13, 15. He told his disciples, I'm doing this as an example for you. What about us? What are we doing? To your very last breath, you ought to say, Lord, help me finish well. Because my kids are going to be fixed on me and watching me. So help me, Lord, to be a steady example until I draw that last breath. May they find me faithful. I think there's a second lesson that he taught his son, Solomon. I believe he taught him to make time for meaningful conversations with his children. Notice what it says here. When David's time to die draw near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, just had a conversation. I think right now at this point in his life, he's gonna tell him the most important. What's the heart? I mean, there's a lot of things we wanna tell our kids, right? But sometimes you just have to condense it down and you have to say, this is the most important. What would you say is the most important? I don't think Solomon ever forgot it. 
On Sunday nights, we've been going through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is real practical. Proverbs is about real life. The Holy Spirit gave Solomon incredible wisdom. It says in there in the Bible that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. I believe that the wisdom God gave him was from, is from God. But here's the thing. Did you know that 15 times Solomon tells us, who were you talking to? Who were you writing these things for? You know what it says? 15 times, my son, my son, my son, my son. Do you ever just sit down and say, these are the things I'm learning as I'm going through life. My son, my daughter, my grandson, my granddaughter. These are the most important things I've ever learned. I guarantee you, you'll have their attention. What if the heavenly father, as, as the perfect father, what if he would have said, you know what? I don't want to talk to them. They're just a bunch of rebels. I don't care about any of them. But instead, look at what we have. We have a Bible. We have God's words. This is what he wants us to know. God wants you to know what's on his heart. And so I'm thinking, oh Lord, help me. Help me to listen to what you're saying and then help me to have meaningful conversations with my kids. Do you have meaningful conversations with your kids? I think Father's Day is an excellent time to just draw near to your dad. Call him, text him, email him if he's away. Spend time with him if he's near and just say, let's talk together. Tell me what's the most important thing in your whole life. Tell me, how did you make it? There's a lot of pressure on me. Well, I think the third thing that Solomon taught was how to aim your kids at strengthening them in the Lord. Strengthening them in the Lord. He said, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And then what does he talk about? Strength. He said, Solomon, be strong. That's the very first thing out of his mouth. Be strong and show yourself a man. Wow. Be strong and show yourself a man. When I thought about those, I thought there's two different kinds of strengths. One strength is the strength that you need whenever you're a leader, whenever you're a king. It's the strength that you need, the inner strength that you need when you have opportunities. Many men in this room, you have opportunities I don't have. But in the opportunities, are you going to be strong with the inner strength of character? I think that's the first kind of strength, strength of character. I think when he said be strong, what he meant is be strong in your faith, be strong in your character, be strong in integrity. But then he says, show yourself to be a man. I think that's a different kind of strength. Not opportunities, but opposition. When they're against you, what is it that you say? What is it that you do when all the world stacked against you? The Lord will display through you external strength of courage. That's what I think he meant when he said, show yourself a man. I'm so disappointed whenever I read things like on Facebook, they have 58 different gender options. And I think, really? Dad, you gotta clarify what manhood is for your son. You gotta clarify what womanhood is for your daughters. You know, because that may be Facebook, 58 different gender options, but I guarantee you in the holy book, God only creates two genders, the man and the woman. And here he's talking to his son. So what does he say? Be a man, be a man. 
Wow. You know, I'm thinking also about how we need to encourage our children to stay with the scriptures. That's what I hear him doing. Did you listen to David's synonyms for the word of God? Would you be able to say, what do you say? Bible, scriptures, word of God. Those are kind of the main ones, right? Well, look at what David says to his son Solomon, verses three and four. He uses words like the Lord's charge, his ways, his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies, the law of Moses. You know, keep it, study it and keep it. I'm thinking how it's so important that we pass along to our kids. Don't ever walk away from this book. Don't walk away from it. Stay submitted to it. Stay faithful to it. Apply it. Live it out. Obey it in every everyday life. No wonder in Psalm 119, there are nine synonyms for the word of God. Many of them are the same. Law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, word, the ways, the rules. Wow. And what does he say to Solomon? He says, Solomon, if you're really wanting to be successful in life, I don't think he meant materially. He said, if you really want success in life, then you stay with what God's written. You be obedient to what he's written. He says that you may prosper in this, listen to this, in all that you do and wherever you turn. In all that you do, wherever you turn. See, for some of us in this room, our kids are not gonna live in Columbus forever. So if they're gonna go somewhere else, wherever they go, whatever they do, if they will simply live out God's word, then they are going to overflow in their life. Maybe not with riches and things and material things, but their life will be prudent. Their life will be full. They'll have joy and they'll also have stability. That's what I hear him saying to Solomon at the end, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me. If your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart, with all their soul, you shall not like a man on the throne of Israel. Are you looking for stability? Are you tired of the instability? It's found in the Lord. The primary truth of this message is simple. God entrusts preparing children to parents. We're supposed to prepare them for life, fathers and mothers. Before every father and every mother is a choice. We only have so many options there. Either we will be diligent in raising them or we'll be negligent in raising them. And whatever we choose, if we're negligent or if we're diligent, you know what happens? It impacts their future. If we're indifferent and we're indulgent, then we're gonna produce anger, we're gonna produce discouragement. But if we instruct them in the ways of the Lord, we could produce a really wise disciple for the Lord. So here's, here's in the invitation. I want you to resist the apathy of negligent fatherhood. I want you to rise up in grace. Say, God, I can't do this but rise up in grace, rise up in grace to diligent fatherhood. Ask the Lord to help you prepare your children for life. Determine to finish as a growing example. Decide to start talking with your children. Dedicate your influence, not to weakening your child in the Lord, but to strengthening your child in the Lord. And then disciple your child with the word of God. I wanna close with one quote 
from a man I respect highly named Tony Evans. Some of you know Tony Evans. He wrote a book called Kingdom Man, but he said one time in a conference, when a kingdom's man, when his feet hit the floor in the morning, the devil says, oh no, he's up. And he went on to say, heaven and earth and hell. Notice when a kingdom man walks out that door. I believe it's well said. I believe it's well said. I believe the man that says, I'm not perfect, but I am resolving to be diligent. I'm resolving to be better. I'm desiring to grow, to be more of who you want me to be, Lord. I believe that guy, he'll be unstoppable. He'll be unstoppable by the enemy and the enemy will know when you get up in the morning, when you spend time with the Lord in prayer and spend time reading his word, he'll say, oh no, we know he's out there. Would you stand with me? I want us to have a time of invitation. And if you would like to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then we'll give you that opportunity. Um, but if um, you would say, no, I've already, I've already trusted him as my Lord and Savior. Okay, but let's also think for a moment, realistically and honestly, about how you've been parenting. Are you kind of in autopilot like David was with Adonijah? Or you say, you know what? I'm not going to be an autopilot, and I've not been an autopilot. I want to engage with my kids. I want to stay engaged with them. Whatever it is, maybe you just need to talk to the Lord right there, right where you are, rather than singing this last song. But I love the way this last song says a very important message about grace. Just as I am. Just as I am. That's how we always come to Christ just the way we are. Don't try to say, okay, I'm going to, no, you come to him and give it to him and say, Lord, help me, help me to repent. Help me to surrender. Help me to do this. Help me to be the dad you call me to be. And I know he will. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time to close out our service. We've had an enjoyable time of honoring the dads. And now we come to that time in the service where we, we make commitments. One of those commitments is to surrender, surrender to you to sit on the throne. Lord, I think that there's, there's a scramble for the throne today. And for some of us, we've made the mistake of putting self back on the throne. And this is a time to say, you know what? I need Jesus on that throne in my heart, in my life. Help us to reject being a carnal Christian. Help us reject being the natural man. Help us to embrace being a spiritual follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple. So bless us, O Lord. Help these dads. Please meet them at the point of their need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.